Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. This is the South African version of self-isolation. It mutated. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we, I, I think a lot of us, I know somebody personally who has uh, entertained the image in uh, their minds of now Senate Minority Leader, formerly Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, as a, um, as a turtle-like creature, partly because of the the decision of his chin to retreat some years ago to a a warmer climb. But I think uh, this weekend, uh, we've seen that particular trope uh, contradicted. First of all, uh, turtles move, uh, turtles or tortoises, turtles move slowly, notoriously. That's why they beat, one of them beat the rabbit. But um, also, uh, they tend to move kind of somewhat in a straight line when they do move, when they move themselves to move. But we saw on display this weekend uh, sort of a a, a different mode of behavior from old Uncle Mitch. He, um, He teased everyone in the in the preceding couple of weeks leading up to the uh, impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump, you remember him, by saying that uh, he he was open to um, the idea of maybe voting to convict. Um, Then on Saturday at the culmination of the (laughs) the trial, remember he he ran an impeachment trial a year ago where he didn't allow witnesses to be called and then the... um, Republicans made fun of the Democrats this time for getting a vote to approve the calling of witnesses and then deciding not to. Anyway, um, on the Saturday in question, he voted to acquit Donald Trump of the charge, the impeachment charge, and immediately then got up on the Senate floor to denounce Donald Trump for doing exactly what he was charged with doing in the impeachment article that McConnell had voted against moments earlier. And the reason he voted against conviction was because he didn't think you could constitutionally impeach and convict a former president. And the trial began after Inauguration Day when even Donald Trump knew he was no longer president because he couldn't get into the White House anymore. The, the, the best possible proof. And the only part of, of, of that story that he left out of the very, very vituperative speech criticizing Donald Trump in the aftermath, or in the Senate chamber, I think the aftermath was, was closed for repairs, um, was that the only reason the impeachment trial began 
after Donald Trump was no longer president is because somebody had announced as soon as the House passed the article of impeachment that the Senate was going to be shut down for a week and a half. And the somebody was the then leader of the Senate, the Republican majority leader, Mitch McConnell. He must have forgotten. Or he must be a different kind of reptile. Not a turtle. More like an asp. Hello, welcome to the show.
And there they go, marching into non-existence. A celebration, ladies and gentlemen, of what we should be doing right now here in New Orleans, but we're not. From New Orleans, Louisiana, home of the virtual Mardi Gras, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, news of our friend the Adam. We haven't been hearing from our friend the Adam for a little while, but that doesn't mean stuff isn't happening. Nuclear power, as you know, is a source of late of low carbon electricity. Producing it creates dangerous radioactive waste. That's not me saying it. It's Yale, a publication called YaleClimateConnections.org. They got an org. That waste, they say, needs to be stored safely and permanently. What is what is human society done permanently ever? I'm just asking. I mean, Larry King came close. Repeat research suggests that as seas rise, some nuclear waste storage facilities are at risk of flooding or storm damage, according to the Yale thing, climateconnections.org. We really focused in to say, okay, well, how many plants might actually be subject to these risks, says um, Sarah Jordan at Johns Hopkins. Her team looked at 13 facilities along the U.S. coast. They found that if seas rise about six feet, possible by the end of the century, let's stick around and find out, won't we? More than half of the waste storage sites would be directly along the water's edge or surrounded by water. She says it's critical to anticipate these long-term vulnerabilities and take action. There are certainly ways that these risks can be managed now, she says. For example, after five years, spent fuel can be moved to dry casks. I think that's what's going on at San Onofre soon on the California coast, Southern California coast. It's a safer, long-term storage method than the cooling ponds where the spent fuel is currently stored. But uh, notice they say long-term and not permanent. What happened? What happened there? Jordan says it's critical for policymakers to understand the risks at nuclear facilities and create regulations and policies to ensure greater safety. I thought we were... But Japan's Nuclear Regulation Authority says it's going to thoroughly review an incident in which a Tokyo Electric Power Company worker, that's TEPCO, that's the company that ran uh, Fook, till it didn't, uh, a TEPCO worker entered a control room at a nuclear plant using another worker's ID card. That can't happen in voting, can it? The security breach took place at a uh, at Kashiwazaki nuclear plant in Niigata Prefecture. It happened last September. A worker who had lost his ID card, not an idea card, they don't need those. Took another worker's ID card from a locker, Tom, a locker, mm-hmm. and used it to enter the central control room. The uh, regulatory agency says workers have to go through multiple gates to reach the control room and that they have their ID checked at each gate by other TEPCO workers or by security personnel. But it says nobody realized that the worker in question 
was entering improperly. The in, the regulator, regulator says an ID checking system at one gate showed an error multiple times. And a security person was suspicious because the worker's face didn't match the photo on the ID card. Yeah, that would be suspicious. That would make me wonder. It says the security person did not check why the error had been displayed and instead rewrote the data on the ID card. I feel safer already. The agency will carefully review an incident report submitted by the company. may conduct security reviews on ID checking systems at other facilities. Wow, that's wide-ranging. Control room lights and alerts repeatedly rang out. At, well, lights can't ring, but the alerts can at Florida Power and Lights Turkey, Turkey Point nuclear plant in Florida. A reactor underwent three unplanned shutdowns during a four-day period last August. Why do you think they call it Turkey Point? FPL, Florida Power and Light, struggled to get the reactor back online. At one point, inexperienced operators ramped up the power rate so quickly that a safety system kicked in and killed the process. The process is recovering. Special inspection by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission has since blamed the shutdown on faulty equipment and lapses in training. That's all. Faulty equipment, lapses in training. Don't you feel safer? What else could they do wrong, would be my question. Though the nuclear plant, this is uh, from Miami New Times, by the way, though the nuclear power plant averted disaster, let's all go. Industry watchdogs question why so many things went wrong at Turkey Point in such a short period of time and whether Fl- Florida and Power Light got off with a slap on the wrist. Well, that is the normal penalty. That's the customary slap on the wrist. The scrutiny comes as Florida and Power Light batters, battles in court to keep its license renewal for the plant. The uh, licenses for Turkey Point were extended a couple of years ago. It's the first time the NRC has approved a nuclear power plant to operate continuously for 80 years. Now nearly 50 years old, Turkey Point's reactors are cleared to operate through 2050. Power companies across the country are looking to do the same thing, secure an extension of their own nuclear plant licenses. The company said Unit 3 reactor shutdown is designed. Company said there was never an emergency at the power plant, nor was there any impact to the safety of our employees or the public. That I believe is the boilerplate statement from nuclear facilities. So they just copied and pasted. We've taken this situation seriously, Florida Power and Light says. We nothing we do is more important than the safe operation of our plant. We've already begun taking steps to address the feedback as part of the regulatory process. Just reviewing the feedback one more time. Make sure we know what they're reviewing. Faulty equipment and lapses in training. <laughs> Maybe we should have working equipment and, and do effective training would be the review. The director of nuclear power safety at the Union of Concerned Scientists says he believes the unplanned shutdowns known as scrams are being downplayed by the company. He says, it was, he says he was taken aback by the disarray at the plant and the mismanagement of the reactor startup. Contends federal inspection reports minimize the significance of the scrams. The report found six safety violations, categorized them as being of low concern. 
There were multiple fa failures in all different areas across the board, says the gentleman from the Union of Concerned Scientists. You had equipment failures, improper maintenance, serious operator errors, and gaps in procedures. Not commensurate, he says, with the severity of this situation. Well, all right then. We'll, uh, we'll, rev re we'll review the review at a later time, ladies and gentlemen. Clean, safe, too cheap to meter. Our friend, the atom. Gee, I, I, I just feel safer having read that to you. I don't know what it is. And now, I'll be favoring you with a little selection called microplastics. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Boats. Boats might be a much, not boots, boats might be a much bigger source of microplastic pollution than previously thought. Boats now. It's according to a new report by researchers in Germany. Well, who asked them? It finds that up to 80% of microplastics in the surface waters of North Sea estuaries and shipping lanes could derive from paints used to protect ships' hulls from barnacles and other organisms. I blame the barnacles. Just me. Previous estimates suggest around 80% of microplastics in the marine environment originate from land-based sources, packaging waste being the biggest contributor. The remaining, 20%, linked to marine-based debris. Fishing gear, a major culprit. This is from chemistryworld.com. It is a chemistry world, after all. Now findings from a team at the University of Oldenburg. Youngenburg was still uh, setting up when this happened. Suggests that the... Uh, Anti-fouling coatings used to protect ships from marine organisms may be an underestimated source of microplastic pollution. The group managed the concentrations of 10 commonly used plastics and samples taken from surface waters across the German Bight. No, not spelled that way. It's an area of the southeastern corner of the North Sea. It contains some of the world's busiest shipping lanes. The researchers found that up to 80% of the microplastic content could there's that word again, be attributed to polymers used as coating binders rather than from solid plastics used in consumer goods. So they're going to, I guess, do more research on that or leave it at could. They could do that. Researchers from the Institute of Environmental Science and Technology of uh, Barcelona University warn of the impact of having to wait to turn the page. That impact is serious, ladies and gentlemen. These pages are... <laughs> All right, anyway. The uh, impact of the... Uh, of t tourism, what the deal is, impact of tourism in the Mediterranean islands, what impact that has on the production of marine litter on beaches. They recommend taking advantage of the situation generated by the COVID thing to rethink a new, more sustainable model, like tourists stay home. Research recently published in Scientific Reports shows that the recreational use of Mediterranean island beaches during summertime is responsible for up to 80% of the marine litter accumulating on those beaches. It generates huge amounts of microplastics through the fragmentation of larger plastic items. 
your bottles. Your bottles, your bags. The international study analyzed the effects of waste generated by tourism on eight med islands over the past four years. So it's an average of two islands a year. The marine, marine lit, I do the math right here on the on the fly, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very proud to say the marine litter, including microplastics, can be defined as oh, we don't need to define it. This environmental issue is threatening the good health of marine ecosystems and can lead to the loss of biodiversity, says the study. It can have huge economic impacts for coastal communities that depend on ecosystem services by increasing expenditure on beach cleaning, public health, or waste disposal says the researcher and author of the article. The Med region welcomes about one-third of the world's tourism every year. It's particularly affected by environmental pollution related to tourism due to their attractiveness. Med islands multiply their populations up to 20 times during the high season. And those, those incoming people probably do get high. Which count, No, the plastic fibers, tiny ones, have been found in the stomachs of deep-sea fish living in a remote, remote part of the South Atlantic Ocean. I don't think they, they use boats. The fibers are most likely to have come from washing machine wastewater, sanitary items, or wet wipes that have been flushed down toilets. See? Wet wipes. This is from the National History Muse- Natural History Museum website of the U.K. That's their museum. So the COVID makes us use more wet wipes. We flush the wipes down the toilet. Da, 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 da. Tristan de Cunha is the most remote inhabited group of islands in the world. Volcanic islands rise out of the South Atlantic, far from any other inhabited areas. A museum discovery voyage a couple of years ago collected life from the deep ocean surrounding those islands. Two-thirds of the individuals we looked at, they mean fish, had plastic in them and viscose was present in half of the specimens, said chief uh, researcher. I'm not surprised that plastic has made it into the depths of the ocean. They're readily ingested by fish. Until now, little has been known about plastic and deep ocean life. Viscose, semi-synthetic material, semi-synthetic. Part of it actually happened, which has been chemically treated and modified for use in clothing, as well as sanitary items, your pads and wet wipes. Even the prey inside the fish had eaten plastic fibers. So inside one common fang-tooth fish, there was a cockeyed squid and a bearded sea devil, which had both eaten plastic, suggesting that plastic is being passed up the food chain. I want to be one of the guys that gives fish their names. That just seems like they're having too much fun. And... That is it, ladies and gentlemen. Just just one word. Microplastics. And now, just let me go off format to acknowledge that today is Valentine's Day. Look, look at what you've done. You've hit and run my heart and I. I just can't seem to think of saving myself and I I still don't understand Why you'd be the man for me But I can't seem to think of loving someone else And oh, 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 it's so mysterious Well, 
This is Le Show. If you read, as I do, um, the uh, trade publications in uh, the advertising business, business, you often come across quotes from people who are trying to improve the ad experience. That doesn't mean the experience of working in an ad agency. That's pretty cool. I did that, that when I was a kid. It's a, that's that's a good life if you don't mind, you know, the uh, the stain. But uh, no, they're talking about you and my your and my ad experience as people who are experiencing advertising. That is to say, being pummeled by it day and night. The uh, sea in the we, we're we're trying to stay afloat in the sea of mendacity. That to me, that's the advertising experience. But uh, your your mileage may differ. It it reminds me, though, 
of how far we've traveled or how just in a, you know the the space of the last since the 1960s let's put it that way uh, i i look i located there because there was a um, an album that came out at the time that was uh, produced by a then popular and and popular for many years afterward band known as the who and I think it was 1967, and um, they had had some hit records. And now they were making their first concept record. And even that was new at the time. Of course, we got tired of that pretty quickly. But they made a concept record, and the concept was pretty simple. Imagine, because rock bands at the time stood or, or wanted to appear to stand as some sort of uh, outsider in the greater economy. And so the premise, again, the concept of the record was, imagine how funny it would be if rock bands did commercials. The record was called The Who Sell Out. And now, here we are, 2021, and in the news is... Bruce Springsteen for doing a Super Bowl commercial. It involves news from the trades, and I'll read it for you. It's from Advertising Age, first of all. What Springsteen's DWI arrest means for Jeep's marketing. I'll share that with you. After Jeep secured Bruce Springsteen for a Super Bowl ad, the brand and its marketing leader, Olivier Francois, seemed poised for another big game hit following a successful run of celebrity-studded spots that have included Clint Eastwood, Eminem, and Bill Murray. But instead of taking a victory lap after lauding the boss, the brand is now detouring as it deals with fallout from reports of Springsteen's DWI arrest. Jeep acted quickly to pull the commercial from YouTube on Wednesday in wake of reports that Springsteen was arrested at Gateway National Recreation Area in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, November 14th, and charged with DWI, reckless driving, and consuming alcohol in a closed area, meaning the park. The incident puts a damper on the much-hyped ad, but it will likely result in short-term embarrassment for the brand rather than long-term harm, especially since Jeep moved quickly to take the ad down, according to brand communications experts. Quote, as a car company, you can't be seen in any way supporting driving under the influence, says Tim Calkins, a marketing professor at Northwestern University who studies Super Bowl ads. Talk about hard work. If Jeep weren't aware of the DWI, that's a miss, he says. They should have been aware that that was floating out there before they made him the star of a huge Super Bowl ad. If nothing else, his team should have brought that up and the Jeep team should have asked, Is there anything that happened in the past few months that we need to be aware of? 
Asked if Jeep knew about the incident, the brand issued a statement that signaled it came as a surprise. The spot was filmed in late January. It came after Francois, chief marketing officer of the company that owns Jeep, spent many years lobbying the boss to appear in an ad. He finally broke through, securing approval earlier this year from Springsteen's longtime manager and confidant, John Landau. Now, Francois is left dealing with the prospect that his biggest get was also his shortest one. Countless mainstream publications followed up on the TMZ story about the arrest, inserting Jeep into a negative story at a time when it had planned to keep plugging the ad. It was originally intended to air only once during the game. The two-minute spot from an ad agency showed Springsteen making a plea for unity in a deeply divided country. DWI incident robbed the brand of the chance to garner more buzz online from the ad. Already viewed by 37 million pairs of eyes, that was their ad experience for the day before it was pulled. Brand experts say Jeep did the right thing to remove it, says Karen Doyne, a crisis communications expert. No car company wants to be associated with the idea of drunk or irresponsible driving. Another crisis communications expert said the only way this becomes a bigger issue for Jeep is if it were to come out that they knew about this and they somehow looked the other way. It would be, that would be very hard to overcome. The uh, Asbury Park Press reported Springsteen was charged after, quote, having a shot of alcohol with fans after he rode to Sandy Hook on his motorcycle, unquote. Fox News being quoted by Ad Age here, signing statements of probable cause that it obtained reports that Springsteen initially refused to take a preliminary breath test, citing a statement from a park ranger saying the Patron bottle, that was tequila, that the shot was poured out of was completely empty. He added, I asked Springsteen if he was leaving. He confirmed he was going to drive out of the park. Jeep's ad was not seen as a runaway hit anyway, falling short of the nearly universal acclaim the band, band brand got last year with Bill Murray reprising his role in Groundhog Day. Sounds repetitive. Some critics took issue with the use of a Christian cross in the Springsteen ad as not speaking to all audiences. Other people questioned the viability of people finding a middle of ground in the current political environment. The ad placed 12th on the USA Today ad meter. A little more information from another trade publication, Billboard, which covers the music industry. The incident started when um, Springsteen was approached by a couple of fans who wanted to pose him for pictures and then offered him a drink of the Patron. He told officers, according to Billboard, he had taken two shots in a 20-minute period. The officer said he smelled strongly of alcohol, had glassy eyes, and the bottle of Patron, as I mentioned, was completely empty. The report described Springsteen as visibly swaying back and forth during a field sobriety test and said he declined to provide a sample. 
on an initial field breath test. Additionally, the report said, asked to walk 18 steps and turn around and come back. He walked more than 40. No word yet from the boss, as far as we know. But this, this, this just might be why he was swaying back and forth visibly. Like a story out of some paperback book, I was riding my hog through Sandy Hook. When some fans stopped me, they just wanted to hang. Had a bottle of tequila called Patron. They didn't even ask where I was going. So I took a shot. Then it was all hot dang. I had just finished up a personal first. Doing commercials was something I cursed. But my manager said this was bigger than a guest shot on V. Two minutes long, I could write it myself. It would air on the big game, total top shelf. I'd be pitching less rancor and the brand new Jeep. Riding and driving, drinking and pitching. It was totally bitching. Don't make a difference what they do, babe. I blew a point of two. Suddenly at the park we had to stop. We were being viewed by some kind of cop. I took one more swig and stood my ground. Yeah, I answered questions, I talked the talk. Stared at a flashlight, then took a walk. Eventually, I even turned around. Well, time goes by like it always will. My commercial airs, it's a win, it's a kill. People tell me, dude, that was a kick-ass lead. Then like a bad dream, I'm on the news A case of the under the influence blues And like a bad brother-in-law, I'm cut loose by Jeep Headlines and questions, my story's unraveling Is that an end to my traveling? Don't make a difference what they do, babe I blew a point oh two.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this week we learned, among other things, that uh, there is such a thing as deep, deep family loyalty in uh, in the Trump family, and uh, certainly a, a certain amount of DNA transmission down the generations, as as one would expect. Here was Donald Trump Jr. defending his dad. My father's legal team finally played the full video where you see him condemning white supremacists. You heard it. White supremacists. Now, no real connection. The apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Strap in, everyone. Latoya Ratliff. 
Shot in the face with a rubber bullet fired by a Fort Lauderdale police officer. She's waited months for an apology from the city. Finally came this week, 26 weeks and three days after the bullet fractured her right eye socket during a social justice protest end of May. Fort Lauderdale Commissioner Ben Sorensen delivered a heartfelt apology during a meeting with her on his front porch, said her spokesman. I apologized to her for what happened, Sorensen said. She was gracious and appreciative. I also said how sorry I was. I'm sure this has impacted her life physically and emotionally, from work to family and friends. Radliff said, I appreciate his apology. It was not simply for what happened to me, but for the ongoing impact it has had on my life. Sorensen said he felt compelled to extend an apology because the incident happened in his district. All right, then. White House Deputy Press Secretary T.J. Ducklow was suspended for a week and ended up resigning, induced or incited to resign, following a report he had berated a political reporter. Ducklow apologized to the reporter, with whom he had a heated conversation about his personal life, according to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. He's the first to acknowledge this is not the standard of behavior set out by the president. Vanity Fair reported Ducklow had threatened political reporter Tara Palmieri in late January after one of her colleagues reached out for a comment on a story about his relationship with a reporter for Axios.com. Citing unnamed sources familiar with the incident, two sources, Vanity Fair reported Ducklow had told Palmieri, I will destroy you. He accused Palmieri of being jealous of the relationship. According to Vanity Fair, Palmieri had been assigned the story, hadn't independently pursued it. Saki said Ducklow's comments were unacceptable. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a, a sad day for all of us in the comedy business when the White House staff does not include someone named T.J. Ducklow. Philadelphia Police Commissioner says... Um, NBC 10 in Philadelphia has apologized for using a graphic in a news segment that altered the wording on the Philadelphia Police Department's motto to, well, it is originally, where is it? I don't know. I can't find it. It was, you know, the service. Oh, yeah, here it is. Honor, integrity, and service. They changed the graphic on NBC Channel 10, changed it to coffee, corruption, donuts. The segment was about city employees who've died from COVID. Statement from the station says, an inappropriate and insulting graphic of the shield was shown during a story. I want to thank, no, this is a statement from the uh, police commissioner. I want to thank NBC for their quick correction and apology. We certainly understand mistakes happen. NBC 10 apologized for the graphic during a subsequent newscast and posted a written version of the apology on Facebook in response to a flood of comments expressing outrage. Michigan State Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky apologized this week for calling the U.S. Capitol riot a hoax and espousing several conspiracy theories, maybe including white supremacists. Implicating political leadership in a video recorded and posted on YouTube. That wasn't Trump, people, he said of the rally. Sorry, the riots. 
That's been a hoax from day one. That was all prearranged, he said. It was all arranged by somebody that was funding everyone. Why wasn't there more security? It was ridiculous. It was all staged. He uh, pointed to a conspiracy theory that Republican leadership, including Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, was somehow involved. And questioning how and why some casualties occurred or were recorded. But now, as I say, Shirky has apologized. In an incident at Spangler's Family Restaurant in Jamesville, Michigan. According to a county Republican Party secretary, John Smith. I didn't trust him to be honest with me. I wanted to expose his lies. and I might need it to move forward for my own record. He acknowledged the videotape was legitimate and apologized for his comments. I said some things in a video conversation that are not fitting for the role I am privileged to serve. I own that. I have many flaws, being passionate coupled with an occasional lapse in restraint of tongue, or at least two of them. He continued, I regret the words I chose, and I apologize for my insensitive comments. That's illegal, isn't it, restraint of tongue? NBC's Andrea Mitchell apologized for wrongly correcting Senator Ted Cruz about the source of the quote, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Senator Cruz says this, says the impeachment trial is like Shakespeare, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. No, that's Faulkner, Mitchell tweeted. Of course, it's from Shakespeare's Scottish play. I clearly studied, studied too much American literature and not enough Macbeth. My apologies to Senator Cruz, she said. But wait, there's more. Sure, there's more. i got time to fill. What do you think? I'm just going to sit here? I am going to sit here, but, I mean, I'm going to say something, too, uh, featuring the next apology. A top climate change official in Massachusetts resigned from his post this week over statements he made last month that has been since criticized by the governor and advocacy groups alike in which he said the Commonwealth need, Commonwealth of Massachusetts needs to break the will of consumers. David Ismay found himself in hot water when a video of his comments surfaced, sent his resignations. With great regret that I submit my resignation. As the state undersecretary for climate change, he stated he worked diligently to secure the health and wellness of the public. He made the comments that ultimately led to his resignation while addressing the Vermont Climate Council, discussing the state's efforts to decrease carbon emissions. The clip ends with him saying, we have to break your will. Right, I can't even say that publicly. Addressing his comments in his resignation letter, Ismay wrote, I would like to apologize again for my comments, my inability... My inability to clearly communicate during that discussion reflected poorly on the governor, on you, and on our hardworking staff. The U was the uh, Vermont Climate Council. His comments were interpreted by some as placing the burden of climate change on hardworking families and vulnerable populations. His intent was the opposite. He was talking reverse. He was talking mirror talk. We have maybe one more. An Arizona man who participated in the insurrection, which uh, I heard the Trump chief defense counsel refer to at 
an early part of his defense closing statement on Saturday as incitement to resurrection. I don't think he meant that. Uh, that Arizona man who participated in the insurrection, sporting face paint, no shirt, and a furry hat, now says he regrets storming the building, apologizing for causing fear in others, and expressing disappointment with former President Trump joined the club. Donald Trump's former fixer, Michael Cohen, thanked Stormy Daniels for giving him a second chance and apologized for the needless pain he caused her during an interview with her on his podcast. Yeah, Michael Cohen's got a podcast. And uh, Harvard, President of Harvard, formally apologized to Stanford Professor Emeritus Terry Carl for its failure to dismiss a former Harvard professor, Jorge Dominguez, for sexual misconduct some time ago. But, you know, Harvard's been there for a long time. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Just one more brief story about our friendly Adam. Electricity de France had to disconnect all four reactors at its Paluel nuclear plant on France's north coast a couple of weeks ago after a significant and unforeseeable number of fish got stuck in the filter drums of the pumping station. We've heard of the water it sucked into the cooling plants being too warm. Now it's fish. Clean, safe. Too cool to need fish. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week at the same time on these same stations, radio-wise, and on your audio device of choice, if it's not a radio, whenever you want it. And it'd be just like keeping the fish out of the nuclear plant, if you'd agree to join with me then. Will you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. show chapeau to the San Diego desk and to uh, folks here at WWNO for help with today's broadcast. The email address of this program, your chance to get Tarzai Talk t-shirts and a playlist of the music here on all at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Share. Thomas. Thanks to Thomas. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long.
from where Mardi Gras should be. 